There are three different AI platforms that I use on a pretty regular basis. Uh, last week, I did a, uh, a live class uh, at HomeBot headquarters. If you're a mortgage uh, loan officer, you should know about HomeBot. They're a fantastic product. Um, but at the, uh, they had an event last week and I did this presentation and I've been doing these presentations live for mortgage companies and conferences and things like that. So I thought I would start sharing those and we'll put these on a separate playlist on uh, Facebook. But some of these are pretty cool and all of them come with a playbook. As I get into this, I'm going to go pretty quick and I'm going to show you a lot of information really fast, but everything that I show you in there, I'm going to give you the copy and paste prompts in a playbook. It's actually a Google doc and you'll find the link to that down in the description and you can go in there and you can do these experiments yourself and you can see how I'm using these different platforms. So the platforms we're going to talk about today is ChatGPT, Google Bard, and then one called Claude.ai. Now, what is AI? A lot of people, they talk about AI like it's a thing. I'm going to use AI to do this. I'm going to use AI to do that. But AI isn't a thing. It's like electricity. Think of it as electricity. It's going to be woven into the fabric of everything that we do and know. It's not going to be something that we go to. It's going to be something that powers or something that runs everything that we do. I consider this technology, which is really just a computer kind of algorithm, but I consider this technology as quite frankly, a global paradigm shift as significant as Gutenberg's printing press and the invention of the internet. AI, the AI is going to ch completely change the way that we interact and interface with all of the world's knowledge and information, and not only how we interface with it, but how it reacts to us, how it interacts with us and talks to us and teaches us and, and quite frankly, gives us what it thinks that we're asking it for. Now, you've got to understand these things are still very experimental. So when we talk about this, as I talk about this, there's actually a slide in here um, that I didn't update that was not that was accurate when I did the slide deck last week, and then it was not accurate by the time that I gave the presentation. So you've got to understand that these platforms that we're talking about, if you're watching this six months from now, you're just going to laugh that I'm talking about these antiques. Um, but quite frankly, these things are very new. ChatGPT is less than a year old as I record this in October, early October 2023. ChatGPT was only announced to the public in November of 2022. BARD was only introduced in February of 2023. And Claude AI was introduced just in July of 2023, so just a few months ago. Now, what makes AI unique is that it remembers your previous input. So it has memory. When you start a conversation or let's say you start a project with AI, everything you do within that project or within that chat thread, it remembers that. And it, it goes, it, what am I trying to say? It reflects back on everything that you previously talked about. And so it's constantly learning from itself and it applies reason and logic to give you what it thinks you are asking for. So what's cool about it. So think about 
a Google search engine. You type in some keywords and it'll give you a list of websites that contain those keywords. That's not how AI interacts. You ask it a question as simple or as complicated as a question as you want, and then it observes what you it thinks that you're looking for it references billions of data points and then it gives you an answer based on what it thinks that you're looking for in some cases like in google bard's case it'll give you links to some of the websites and things to support it but like chat gpt doesn't it just gives you an answer based off of what it thinks you're asking for. And then it learns how to give better answers. If you don't like the answer, if you thought the answer was inaccurate, um, you tell it this answer is inaccurate. I want you to look at it from this perspective and it'll learn from that and it'll come back and it'll give you a more accurate answer. Now, what AI is not is it's not smart. This isn't, it doesn't have intelligence. It's a trained algorithm and the algorithm is just designed to try to understand what you're asking it and then give you what it thinks you're asking for. It's also, it's not creative. It'll only do what you ask. Now, I know a lot of people are talk about AI replaced loan officers, AI replaced my job. No, it's not going to replace you and it's not going to replace your job. But somebody who effectively uses AI to make them better at their job is going to outperform you if you choose not to use AI. So what I kind of liken this to is if you were a loan officer in the 90s and you said, Oh, I don't know what this Fannie Mae DU, this desktop underwriter is. That's a bunch of nonsense. I'm not going to use that. I'm going to keep doing loans the old fashioned way. That's the same thing as saying I'm not going to use AI in my business to make me more efficient, make me more accurate and make me better at what I already do. Right now, the way that these AI platforms work, they are not always right. As a matter of fact, I would say they're almost never right. They're about 97% right, but you have to go in there and you have to modify it. So something that would normally take you, let's say an hour to figure out a problem or to come up with a strategy or a sales tactic or a way to word something, you can do it in just a couple of minutes using AI, but you're going to have to, but then you're going to spend 10, 15 minutes going through, making sure it sounds like you, making sure that it's right, making sure that it's accurate. I do not recommend that you ever use ChatGPT or any of these AI platforms to create content um, that's going to go out into the world about a topic that you don't already know the answer to. If you do that, you're just asking for trouble. And then I put ChatGPT and Claude are not connected to the internet. That's not true for ChatGPT anymore. ChatGPT has a plugin that will access websites uh, on the, so ChatGPT4, so that's the paid version, ChatGPT Plus has a paid version that can access the internet to look at links. You can put a link in there and say, what does this website do? And then the mobile app does connect to the internet through a Bing integration. Claude AI is still not connected to the internet and Google Bard actually has a, a Google it feature now, um, which I'm, I'm going to show you. So it does have access to the internet. Now, AI is not magic. There's This is a great quote by Arthur C. Clarke, and I date myself every time I say this. 
Um, but Arthur C. Clarke, science fiction writer, um, he is the one who wrote the, the famous movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, where an AI actually took over and decided that it knew better than a human did, which is really interesting, very ahead of his time. But in 1968, he said any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And quite frankly, that's what this feels like a lot of times. It feels like it's magic. I've got my own version of this, that BS delivered quickly and confidently is indistinguishable from the truth. And that's what AI will do for you. It comes across, it sounds like it knows what it's talking about, and it'll say it so confidently that you just assume that it's right. And that's dangerous. This is a tool This isn't going to do the work for you. Here's a couple of examples. When Google Bard, when Google introduced Bard on like a global announcement, it asked it the example that they used to demonstrate how brilliant Google Bard was is it said, explain what the Hubble telescope does or tell me how the, what the Hubble telescope does so I can explain it to my ninth grader, I think is what the question was. And it took an astrophysicist or a rocket scientist to figure it out, but it gave the wrong answer. And Google Google actually lost $100 billion in market share and market value overnight because its chatbot made a mistake. Now, BARD was really bad for a really long time. It's getting much, much better. But again, all three of these technologies are way different. Here's another example. So when AI makes a mistake, they call it a hallucination. It thinks it, it sounds like it thinks it's real. So this is a court case in New York. This is quite a few months ago. Maybe some of you have heard this. So the defense attorney is arguing his case and he's citing these cases or he's yeah he's citing cases to support in defense of his client and the prosecuting attorney stops him and says judge can we meet up at the table and she's like i don't recognize any of these cases that he's citing to defend his attorney and the judge is like yeah i don't recognize any of these cases these this case law either and the defense attorney says i use chat gpt to come up with the cases and I asked it for cases to support my argument. And, and both the judge and the prosecuting attorney says, well, I don't think these are real cases. And the defense attorney says, no, I'm sure they're real cases because I asked ChatGPT if they, these are real cases because I was concerned too. And ChatGPT said, yes, they are real cases. So he took that to court and I think he's losing his license now. So this is the example that I'm talking about. Never use it for something that you don't already know the answer to and don't use it for shortcuts. It's just going to bite you in the butt. All right. So let's go through these three platforms. Let's start with ChatGPT. You can find ChatGPT if you haven't already been there at chat.openai.com. Now, ChatGPT is a platform that's optimized for discussion and conversation. Uh, its superpowers are suggesting ideas, writing, repurposing content. It's really good at that writing sales letters, writing sales copy. It's actually, it's, it is by far the chat GPT four right now is by far the best and most accurate. And I would say, I hate using the word smartest. Like there's so much anthropomorphism with these things because it's like, it really, it, it feels like it's really smart, but chat GPT four is by far the most advanced AI, large language model, kind of artificial generative AI that we have access to as just regular people. 
there are smarter ones that that people are working on, but the ones that we have access to, this is the top of the game. So this is what ChatGPT looks like. It's a chat box down on the bottom. You see a little bar and you enter in your, what they call is a prompt. When you add, when you tell ChatGPT what you want it to do, you're prompting it to give you an answer and you're just putting it down there in the bottom. One of the ways, so here's a few ways that I've used ChatGPT. One of them is what I call bionic bios. And I basically told ChatGPT, I want you to act as a biographer and I want you to ask me a series of questions about my personal and professional life so that you can write bios that I can use in all aspects of my business, professional things, personal things, speaking engagements, website, and all of my social media platforms. And I basically say, I want you to ask me a series of 10 questions so that you can write something that's concise and that is that that shows the that does a good job of of talking about who I am. See, even thinking about talking about myself, I get choked up. I hate writing about myself. And it's one of the hardest things for me to do. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. So by doing this, I am asking it to interview me. And then it's going to take all of my answers and it's going to craft, it's going to craft bios for me. And it's going to craft like an about us for the pay for my uh, website, and then for LinkedIn profiles, Facebook profiles, all of your social media profiles. So here's what it did. It, it gave me a list of questions. Now, this exercise I'm going to have in the playbook. So when you click on the link, you're in the description here, you're going to be able to get this Google Doc and you're going to get these prompts. You copy, you paste it into ChatGPT, and it's going to do the same thing for you. Now, the best way to do this is you record your answers, and this is where you use the iPhone app or the Android app. Now, ChatGPT phone app is really powerful. It's really good, and it's really powerful, and it has a voice feature. So you simply tap it, and you answer the questions. You say question number one, and you answer the question as best as you can. Now, when you use your voice, it'll actually also be on your desktop AI but when you use your voice, it will, it'll use your words. It'll sound like you. It'll use your cadence. It'll speak the way that you speak. So this is the way that you try train ChatGPT to sound like you. So you answer the question and then you answer the question and then we prompt it. Okay, write me a bunch of bios and, and it'll write all of the bios. The second way that I use it is for repurposing content. And for this particular example, I take one YouTube video. It is actually, it's small on my screen too, so I can't see it. It's like a four minute video. And if you don't know this, those three little dots on the lower right-hand corner of any YouTube video, you click that and there's an option that says view transcript. When you click that, you'll see the transcript. You copy and you paste that transcript. And then from that, I'm going to give you the prompt that it's going to create, you're going to take the one transcript, you're going to create an SEO optimized blog post, you're going to write emails and text messages to your database to tell your database that you just created this video and they might be interested. Then we're going to write Facebook posts to your personal network and say, hey, friends and family and Facebook connections. Then we're going to write a LinkedIn post to our professional network targeting real estate agents and say, real estate agents, I just wrote this, I created Created this article. I did this video. I think this would be very valuable and helpful for your clients. So I would like you to share this. 
Then we're creating Instagram, Twitter, Google My Business, and then we're going to use a, an AI technology to create shorts for TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook that we can then go out and we can share we can share little clips of this to drive people back to our main content where we can convert them. Now, coming soon, and this is actually, so I just got this on my iPhone app, I think yesterday, and ChatGPT is having some really big upgrades that's coming up. It's going to start to generate images for us, which I'm going to give you an example of, but now what it can do is it can speak to you. So you can talk to it through the app on your phone. You can tell it what you want, and then it'll speak back to you. And you guys, it is absolutely phenomenal. It does doesn't sound like an AI voice. It sounds like a real person. I'd say it's like 99% there. You can still tell that it's a that it's processing the information, but my goodness, it is very conversational and it it's amazing. It's really amazing. So some of the ways people have used this is if you have like a, a kid and, and uh, this gets a little bit scary, but you can say, Tell me a bedtime story about a little frog that was lost in the forest and couldn't find his pond. And he met some friends that ended up leading him to a pond. And it'll tell you, it'll make up a story and it'll tell you the story. Really cool and really interesting. This is interesting. It's now integrated or they're doing this experiment with voice translation for podcasts. Now, I listened to Lex Friedman, so I know what Lex Friedman sounds like. And the example on the website, on the Spotify website, and you can Google this to hear this yourself. He's speaking in English. Well, he's Russian, so he has a little bit of an accent, but he speaks in English. And then the translator will translate it into Spanish. And it sounds like Lex. It's Lex's voice, but it's speaking in Spanish. So now imagine you do... Let's imagine that you have a Spanish-speaking uh, demographic. My good friend Danny Ruiz, he's a TikTok superstar. He does all of his TikToks in Spanish. Now, if he puts those, if he puts those on Spotify as like a podcast or something like that, it'll translate it into English. So I can listen to it in Danny's voice in English. There's a lot of interesting things that can come out of this. But if you're doing a podcast, now think about crossing language barriers by doing it in your native language or the language that has the broadest appeal, whatever language you're comfortable in. And then anybody listening to it can listen to it in their native language in your voice. It's pretty amazing. Now, ChatGPT, every, uh, not everybody, but a lot of you have heard of Midjourney. Midjourney is that AI platform that creates photorealistic images that are almost impossible to tell that they're not real images unless you look at the hands. They usually have five or six fingers or the arms. There's some things that AI doesn't do really well, but ChatGPT's uh, Chat version of that is called Dall E3. Dall E3 is a version that's going to be in ChatGPT. And here's an example of what they showed that it can do. The prompt that they use in their example, now I don't have access to this. I don't know anybody that has access, but this is the demonstration that they show from the company that makes ChatGPT. It says, I want you to create an illustration of an avocado sitting in a therapist chair saying, I feel so empty inside with a pit-sized hole in its center. The therapist, a spoon, scribbles notes. 
And so here's what it produced. I just feel so empty inside. Now, I've seen a couple of examples of what this Dolly can do with ChatGPT. And what's really good, what, what they've really dialed in that they do a good job of, is text on the image. I've played with a few of these image generators and they're horrible at text. They can't write text. So Dolly supposedly writes the text. So think of a family in front of a house with a for sale sign, or think of a an Instagram image or a Facebook ad image with text overlaid on top of the graphic. Dolly appears that it's going to be able to do these things. So this really just opens up the entire world of what we can do with generating unique images for our ads and our marketing and our advertising. All right, let's talk about Google Bard real quick. So Google Bard, you can find it. It's free. ChatGPT, the paid version is $20 a month. ChatGPT or Bard is free. It's bard.google.com. And it's really optimized for search engine results. You uh, what I think of it as a librarian for the world's knowledge. And, and Google even describes it this way. They call it observational search. So think of walking up to the library desk, talking to the librarian, say, I want information on this. The librarian goes back to all the books in the library, comes back and basically says, okay, here's the answer to all of your questions that you were looking for. And here's a couple of books that you might want to look at um, to get more information. It's different than just her coming back with a pile of books and saying the answer is in there. It's going to give you the answer. And then in a lot of cases, Bart is giving you some references that you can link to that or that links that you can go out and get more information or that just shows that it supports it. This is what Bard looks like. They give you some suggestions. Hey, do you want to do this or that? I find that Bard is not very good at writing copy. It can give you some ideas. It can give you like, I have these ingredients. Can you give me some recipes? It's okay with that stuff, but it's really good for like research and getting information. I use it for demographic and geographic research for ads. Some of the things that are unique about it is it'll give you three different versions of the answer and you can look at the three different versions and determine which one sounds like it's the closest to what you're looking for. And what I've noticed in there is like if it'll give me it'll give me like percentages like 73% of of people in this community are this this demographic or millennials or something like that. Then the next one will say it's like 68%. The next one will say it's like 72%. Like I said, this stuff isn't 100% accurate and I guess when it comes to statistics, I follow the the adage that 80% of all statistics are made up on the spot. And I think that's true. Numbers can be twisted any way anybody wants it. So you choose the one that sounds most accurate or that serves your needs. But that's an interesting thing. So it gives you three different versions of the answer that are worded in different ways. Like ChatGPT, you can regenerate the answer, but it doesn't give you multiple answers to choose from. This is a brand new feature. This came out just a week ago, I believe, or a couple of weeks ago in September, it came out and it's called Google it. So when after you do your search, you can click the little Google it, the G button, the Google button down there, and it's going to go out to the internet and it's going to try to validate the answer that Bard gave you. Where it's in orange, it says we couldn't find anything to support this answer. Where it's in green, it says we found information to support your answer. So that's interesting. 
It's not going to the internet necessarily to get your answer. It's getting some of the information from the, on the internet, but it's not getting all of it. So now you can Google it to see if, it, if there's any websites or any information to support the answer that it gives you. A uh, cool thing about Google is you can click that little slider and you can modify your, your response. I want it to be shorter, longer, simple, more casual or more business-like. And so you can do that and it'll rewrite the answer with, following those parameters. So I use it for geographic research. There's an exercise. If you went to my classes about, about first-time homebuyers and new construction, and I'm going to publish those classes here actually in the same playlist that I've been doing these classes outside of, of just my regular podcast, but I'll publish these things. So one of these exercises is I was looking for the highest first-time home buyer activity in my area in Colorado, and it gave me these five counties. Then in those five counties, I asked it, which cities have the highest activity? And then amongst those cities, what's the what are the median home prices so that I could target a specific city with the median home price that that I wanted to target. And it did a really good job of that. And what you're seeing here is an example of it showing you where it's getting that information about the city so that you can go in there and you can get more information. Then I asked it, what is the home buyer demographic in that city? And then it gives me back the answer and it says millennials make up um, the largest share of first-time home buyers in Castle Rock, they make up about 40% of the market. So this is the kind of research that I'm doing to run Facebook ads and to do online marketing is I'm using those keywords. Hey, if you're a first-time home buyer in Castle Rock, and actually on this particular class I'm talking about, there's also a lot of new construction in Castle Rock. So those new construction homes are now starter homes for millennials looking for open floor plans, smart homes, energy efficient, sustainable living that's close to both amenities and nature. And I did all of that demographic and, and geographic research uh, using uh, Google Bard and ChatGPT actually, but I started on Google Bard. What also what Google Bard does is if you're looking at the prompt where you're putting in the prompt to the left of it, that's a Google Lens. So you can actually attach any picture and you can say, describe this picture for me. So what I did is I went out to the internet found a home listing of a kitchen and I said, help me describe this kitchen for an audience of home buyers. The description is part of a real estate listing that I'm going to use to sell this home. And it did a really good job it says, hey, the kitchen is the heart of the home and this is no exception. And this spacious pointed with everything you need to cook up a delicious meal. And then it describes granite countertops and stainless steel appliances, a gas range, a double oven and a dishwasher. So it can read the photo and it can describe the photo and tell you about the photo. Really interesting. It can also read the result. Up in the upper right-hand corner of a Google Bard result, there's a little uh, speaker there. You click that and it'll read the result to you. It's not as good as the ChatGPT uh, reader. Not quite as good, but it's pretty darn good. So that's also a really interesting aspect of this as AI voices get better and better. It's cool to watch that evolve and watch that progress. 
Now, Google is announced has announced that they're going to come out with extensions. One of the extensions are so an example is like Google Flights. You can ask it to find the cheapest flight to a certain area within a certain date range, and it's going to come go to Google Flights, and it's going to come back and it's going to tell you. Another thing they're talking about is integrating it with Google Drive. If you're on a team Google business and you're on like a team calendar, you can ask it, hey, what day this week is everybody available for a meeting? And then can you book that meeting on their calendar? And it'll do things like that. The early demonstrations of it and feedback and reviews, I don't have access to it yet. They roll this thing out in waves. And the early examples I've seen is it's not really good yet, which is pretty consistent with Bard. Bard was really bad when it first came out, um, but it catches up very quickly. So as it learns how to access your Google Drives and um, everything that's in your Google Drives, your spreadsheets, your email, your calendars, all of those things, it should get better and better. Okay, let's talk about Claude AI as we bring this thing uh, in for a landing. Google Claude AI is actually a bunch of employees from ChatGPT that left ChatGPT to create their own AI. And there's a few things that are different. So first of all, one of the main reasons they split off is that they're trying to create a more ethical and responsible AI that people can't use it to do nefarious things. I'm not going to go into that. I think it's a good I, I think it's a good intention, but I don't really know where that goes or what that really means because has anybody been on the internet lately? People go on the internet, they could use it for all kinds of crazy reasons. So what a, what Claude AI does is it does something very unique. Now it's functionality, it's actual logic on the back end, I would say is similar to ChatGPT 3.5. That's the free version. It's not quite as it's not quite as good as ChatGPT4 yet, That not that I've seen, but what makes it unique that no other AI platform can do right now is it can add files. So you can upload, you can upload documents to it and it'll read the documents and it'll use the documents as a source material. And I've used it for a couple of different, a couple of different use cases that I'm going to share with you now. So this is what Claude looks like. Again, all of these chat, all these AI platforms, they give you all of your old projects, your old experiments or your chat threads. But this one, this is what it looks like. You can type it in there and you see the little paper clip that everybody recognizes the paper clip. You click the paper clip, it'll open up your folders on your computer and you can attach PDFs, Word documents, CSV documents, so like spreadsheets and things like that. So it will... It'll everything that it can't attach is grayed out. So anything that it can't attach, you can attach it, and then you can use that as the source material to train Claude to do what you want it to do. So I've used it for a couple of different reasons. One one way that I used it is I did it to try to understand like personality tests or performance tests. So one of the tests I really like is Perry Marshall's marketing DNA test. And it tells you what kind of marketer you are, whether you're a live marketer, whether you have to, whether you really have to, whether you over prepare, whether you like to write, whether you're good for video. And, and it's really helpful because if you're not 
if you're like trying to do a certain type of marketing and you take this DNA test, marketing DNA test, it might tell you that you shouldn't try that kind of marketing because it just isn't in your wheelhouse. It's not your natural, you don't have a natural ability to do it the way you're doing it. So you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. So marketing DNA test, and then my disk profile. So I know what a disk profile is. I can read the results and I can say, oh yeah, that sounds like me, but I don't really understand. I'm not one of those gurus that like understands every aspect of the disk profile. So I fed it my disk profile and my marketing DNA test. And I asked it, what are my superpowers? I said, based on my disc results and my marketing DNA, what would you say my superpowers are in business? And it was really good and it was really accurate. And it described it to me in a way that, that kind of blew me away. So if you're struggling in today's market, so there's another one that I did and I give you, I'm giving you all of these prompts. I asked it, if I, like for if you have employees or if you have team members, hey, how do I better manage this person? What are some ways? One thing that I asked it with my marketing DNA and my disk test, and I did a podcast on this. So I showed this experiment. So this video is actually on my YouTube channel. And I guess I'll probably link to it in the, in the description, but I went through the whole thing and I basically said, what should I be doing in this market to to generate more business. And it gave me a list of 10 things that were the exact same things that I did when I was, when I was originating, I originated for over 20 years. I haven't originated for a few years now, but when I did, it told me everything that I did to grow my business during those 20 years. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And I got that from my disc test and my marketing DNA test. The other thing I did is I wrote a guideline of underwriting guideline chat bot, and that's in the playbook that you can, that you can get access to for free. So I uploaded the VA underwriting guidelines. It's a 72 page PDF. It took it like a champ, no problem at all. Just one upload. Um, and then I wrote this prompt and I said, you're an underwriter. I want you to go through. I want you to find the answers for me. I want you to give me three different options for the answers. And I want you to support that with telling me the section and the subsection of the guidelines where you got that answer. And it did a really good job of it. So this particular one, I all I asked it is what are the waiting periods after bankruptcy? No other context, because remember, it's operating off of the PDF that I uploaded to it. And it gave me the answer and it was 100% accurate. Again, don't assume these things are right and accurate. Use Go to the sections, go to the subsections, look up the guidelines yourself, but imagine how much easier it will be to get answers to, to interface and engage with underwriting guidelines. And I'm actually working on building other chatbots right now that go with the Fannie Mae guidelines and the FHA guidelines, but those are really big documents. So I'm using different platforms, but that's the same underwriter prompt and it's really good. Think of how much time that's going to save you or think of how much, how much faster your loan processor or your loan partner is going to be, how much more effective they can be and how much more efficient if instead of asking you or asking your underwriter or processor questions, they're looking up the answers themselves 
finding the right section, going in there, learning about that guideline and learning how to be a better loan officer. Another thing that it does really is I use all agency charts from mortgage currency. If you don't use mortgage currency, I highly recommend it. Basically, they summarize all of the underwriting guidelines and the underwriting changes. But one of the cool things that they do is they create these all agency charts and they basically say, so this one is for two to four unit guidelines. And, and it's Fannie Mae guidelines, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, and USDA side by side. So it's a really cool way to compare the guidelines. Oh, Fannie Mae doesn't allow this, but Freddie Mac does. So then you're going to use Freddie Mac guidelines. So I put that in there and I basically say, give me, summarize this art, summarize this PDF for me. And then I had it write blog posts and I had it write video scripts to do videos about the guidelines for each individual agency. And it did a really good job of that. The unique thing and interesting thing about Claude AI, the parent company of Claude AI is called Anthropic and Amazon just invested $4 billion in Anthropic. So that AI platform is going to get a lot of traction really fast. So I think that's a really, really good and really interesting way next step on this stuff. Okay, so don't scan this QR code. You can scan this QR code, but I'm going to put a link. I'm going to put a link to this underneath. Sure, scan the QR code. I'm going to put a link to the playbook. Basically, the AI prompts that are in there is the Bionic Bios um, repurposing content, one taking one video transcript, turning it into 11 or 12 pieces of content, the BARD demographic and geographic research, the Claude Disc experiment, and the underwriter bot prompt. I'm going to put all of those in there so that you can play with all of these platforms. So my hope with this video and showing you these three platforms is I want to demystify these technologies for you. And I want to give you a perspective. I want to give you a way to go in there and play with them and experiment with them without having to wonder what do I do. So take these things, play with them. I would love to get your feedback. How did you use these things? What did you like? What didn't you like? Do you have any questions? Did you do anything cool with it? So hopefully this is helpful. This has been an introduction to three AI platforms that I use on a pretty regular basis. And you'll see a lot of my podcasts in a lot of my experiments that show these with experiments that I'm doing with all these three platforms. So if you like it, subscribe to my channel. If you're on YouTube, get the resources in the description. And I hope this is helpful and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.